I'm excited about uh, Wednesday nights. I'm excited about tonight. There's something that um, my favorite, one of my favorite authors is John Eldridge. Does anybody else love John Eldridge, Wild at Heart, and some of the other books he's written? And what happens a lot of times, you know, you read a book like that, and eventually it grows into a sermon. And I've noticed over the years that a lot of the things that are passionate for me come out of some of the things he's written that I've read so many years ago. I don't even realize I'm talking, you know, saying what he said. But, but tonight is definitely one of those cases. Tonight we're going to talk a little bit about uh, happily ever after. Anybody um, tell your kids fairy tales and stories? And it seems like we see those themes a lot in happily ever after. Wouldn't it be nice if that's how life was? Wouldn't it? I mean, because that's, if you think about how stories are, they, they're so one-dimensional, really. And a lot of times they just, they center on one character and one character's life. And then as that character goes through, maybe they have a little crisis and it, and it ends and they live, what is it? Happily ever after. And I don't know about you, but there's been times where I thought, really, I wonder what happened next. Because we know that's not how real life is. You know, when Snow White and her prince, you know, they go through all that drama and the, the witch and the apple and all that. And that's all, that's all a great story. But then in the end, it's happily ever after, but it's not. I mean, they're still really young. And we know there's a lot of life to be lived. And there's more to life than just the first part of her story. And some, you know, they've done some great things with that and shown what happens next and, and all. But tonight, I'd like to take just a few minutes and think about that for just a second. If, if you could think about your life for a minute. And as if your life was a story. And maybe you, like me, have felt sometimes that, that you were dropped into a story, but it was almost as if you were dropped in partway through. Has anybody ever felt like that? And you wish almost that you could just turn a few pages ahead and see what's next or how this particular chapter ends? Because maybe it doesn't make sense. Or maybe, maybe you're here tonight and you'd like to actually go a little bit ahead or, or back in the story and find out who wrote this story anyway. Because it's not, it's not unfolding like you had thought. Or maybe not all the pieces are there. Or maybe, maybe you skipped a page somewhere and it just doesn't fit or just doesn't make sense. It's almost as if sometimes, you know, you, you know who the characters are, but, but you don't know quite how they got there or, or what, their, what their intentions are. And I don't know about you, but there's times where if you just look at your life as it's a story and you think, man, if I could just figure this person out. I'm curious, how many of you are the kind of people that flip ahead and look at the end? Anybody? Okay, a certain amount of you. I, I, I'm not that kind of person. I like to let it unfold and find out what it is. But I do feel the sense that, I, man, I just want to see what's going to happen. But I want to see how it works, you know, and see how the author does that and how the author plays it out. Maybe, maybe for some of you, you feel like um, you walked in on a joke. Has anybody ever done that? And everybody's laughing, and you maybe hear the punchline, and it just doesn't make sense. And you want to ask them, well, what's going on? What, what, what did you say first? Or what was, how did you get up to this? And sometimes that ruins the joke because then you already know the punchline. It's not quite as funny, but you still want to know. Or imagine if you drove up to your house one night and you saw your kid's car getting unhooked from, the, from a wrecker. What would you do? You would run in the house and you'd make sure everybody's okay. And then after that, you would ask what? What happened? You want to know the story. You want to be able to flip back and forth in the book and say, what, 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 what happened? What went down? And then you can go through all the rest of it, you know, and find out, well, it shouldn't have been this way, it should have been that way, but you've got to know what happened. Think about some popular movies and, and why we like movies. There's, a, there's an author named uh, Robert McKee. He says that we go to movies because we hope to find in someone else's story 
something that will help us understand our own. I've never thought about that way before, but it's kind of true. I mean, there's something comforting in the fact that you can go and relate to someone else's story, and we're a little bit removed, so we're not completely tied into the drama, but at the same time, you know, we can experience something. Now, I'm, I'm old uh, Assemblies of God. Uh, anybody else been in the Assemblies back when movies were wrong? Anybody remember that? No, the, just the three of us? Really? The first movie I ever saw was Sound of Music, but we saw it. My dad was in the Navy, and we lived in the Philippines, and they, they showed it in the gym on the little base we lived in. That was the first actual, like, real movie I ever saw. And then, get this, I never saw another movie till Chariots of Fire in a theater. And it wasn't because I was just, like, super holy or anything. It's just, I don't know, it just, we didn't do that. And, but what's really funny is my mom, they grew up where they were actually told. I, I don't think we were ever told it was wrong. I don't remember ever hearing that from the pulpit. Or my parents didn't say that. It wasn't like that. But my parents, my mom especially, because she grew up assemblies, uh, they were actually told it was wrong. They were preached against. So what's funny is, is, um, what's funny is to watch a movie now with my mom because she hasn't grown up with all the drama. You know, maybe you don't think of it like this, but there's a lot of drama that's in, in movies. And I remember one movie we watched with her, Nicole. Remember we saw um, Air Force One with her? Oh, it was so, at first it was funny, then it got to be kind of annoying because every few minutes she'd say, wait, 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 wait. doesn't he see that there's somebody right there? And we're like, yeah, mom, he doesn't see, that's the movie, you know. And at first it was comical just watching her go through the movie. And then she would say, watch, watch out, watch out, there's, they're right there. Because the intensity of it, she was just all nervous. And then after the movie, she was still kind of jumpy because she had just, she experienced some drama for the, like, like one of the first times. I mean, now they go to movies and it's no big deal. But, but I remember those first times watching her. And, and when you think of your own life like that, and if you could step out of the drama just a little bit and watch it for a second and, and watch how it unfolds, think about this. If you really want to know somebody, I have a good suggestion for you. Kind of get to know their story. Because everybody has one. Everybody has, it's, it's, not like, it's not like they just ended up and just popped into the world right now as they are. I mean, there's a reason that maybe, maybe you know, one of your uncles drinks too much. Or the grandpa's always sad. There's something going on there. And, and people need to know that you care about their story. And as you get to know them, you want to ask them, what is their story? How did this happen? I love to do that with people. Even, even people I see that are... Um, like, we've got some guys in here working on the, you know, working on the new wing and finishing some stuff up. And, and I was asking the guy uh, earlier, I was just asking him, how'd you get into this line of work? People want to tell you their story. There's a reason they do what they do. And everybody has, I mean, it's like you scratch a little bit, and it just kind of flows out of people sometimes. Because everybody has, has experienced things in their life that have brought them to the point that they're in. Sometimes good, sometimes tragic, sometimes happy. Sometimes genetic, I mean, for whatever reason, it's just how they are. But we all want to know. Now, now let's get a little personal. We all want to know, don't we? Not only why we're at where we are in the story, but how the story will end up. What's the purpose for my life? We want to know, who am I? Why am I here? Where will I find life? Will I make a difference? What does God want from me? Those are big questions. But they're questions that all of us are dealing with all the time. And it doesn't, it's not limited to just people in the church. I mean, everybody wants to know that. Now, they may not be able to articulate that. They may never have thought those thoughts in that way. But everybody in their life is striving to find that out. That's why we do what we do as human beings. We're trying to find out. 
Why are we here? What is my purpose? You know, see some people and you, you wonder, how did they end up in this job doing this right now? You know what I wonder? And maybe I'm bad about this, but when I have like a waitress who doesn't like her job, I just want to ask, why do you do this then? This is a service job, and if you don't enjoy serving people, you should find a different job. But there's a story there. I don't know why she's doing it and doesn't like it, but there's some reason for that. And I would love to know what it is. We're in the story, but we don't always see where it's going or how it's going to end. Maybe in your story, you feel like there's something else more important going on, and you wish that that was your story. Or you're looking at other people's stories and thinking, pages in their book looks way better than mine and it's not fair maybe maybe their story is a little more exciting or maybe their story is not as painful but in everybody's story there's going to be tragedy and joy characters and villains and good and evil a question you might be asking is if if there's meaning to all of this in life then why does some days seem so random I mean, why do people seem to drift in and out As I said earlier, a lot of the movies we watch and stories we read, you know, it's about a central character and that character kind of goes through their life almost in a linear way and we watch maybe one episode or two episodes of their life. What you don't see is what happens in real life, right? I mean, right when they're in the middle of an important case and the detectives are talking about it, they don't get a call from their mom. Like we do. And it throws them off and things aren't, I mean, real life is like that. It's random and things happen. And somebody cuts you off or pulls in front of you or something goes wrong or a check bounces or something happens and your whole life gets thrown up and you're thinking, what is going on? This isn't how it's supposed to be. And we, unfortunately, we kind of get in our minds this, this unhealthy, unrealistic view of the way it's supposed to be instead of the way it really is. Because real life isn't like that. Real life is more random than that. And it does feel like we're dropped in the middle of something and things are floating in and out and we can't discover what's going on. We wonder if there really is a God, why is he trying, what's he trying to do to me? And why is all this happening in my life? In Shakespeare's Macbeth, Macbeth says at one point, he says, life is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Think about that for a minute. Man, Shakespeare is famous for a reason. Because he was able to grab and encapsulate thoughts of ours that we still have here in the 21st century. You know, he, he did that in the 16th century. But think about it for a minute. Is life really, is that all it is? A tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Do our lives really add up to nothing? It would be so nice, wouldn't it, if we had cliff notes to our life? Or we could just skip ahead like I said earlier. You know what I think? I think it's sad because most of our world, they've really lost the story. They've been grasping for the story in a a sense of meaning, but they've lost it. Mankind, in one sense, has looked to science to solve the riddle of life. And uh, Neil Postman, he's quoted as saying, In the end, science does not provide the answers that most of us require. Its story of our origins and our end is, to say the least, unsatisfactory. To the question, how did it all begin... Science answers, probably by accident. And then to the question, how will it all end? Science answers, probably by accident. And to most people, that accidental life is not really worth living. It's very unsatisfying. Unfortunately, most people, I think, have settled for that type of uncertainty 
And because of that, they qualify their beliefs about life and they'll say, well, I think, or it might be like this. And we kind of live in a world where everybody's afraid to say something for sure. But let me encourage you for just a minute. There is a larger story. And isn't there a comfort sometimes when you can find your place? You know what I've always loved? And I know this is weird, but I've always loved going to the mall and seeing where I am. Do you you know what I mean? Where you go to the directory and it says, you are here. There's something satisfying about that. Because as I look at that maze of stores and you got numbers and you're thinking, why didn't you just put the name there? What do I have to look over here for the name and the number, then look for the number? I don't get that. Why not just write the name right there? But they don't do that. Instead, you got to, you know, you got to figure out the map and there's something. Yeah, you know, and then if it's a two or three level mall, they've got all the different pieces. You got to figure out how it fits. But then you find that little arrow and it says you are here. Then all of a sudden the map makes sense and you can see, OK, well, if that's where I am, then this is. Over. Oh, OK, I see that. And do you see what I'm saying? It's satisfying, isn't it? And it gives you a sense of groundedness from which from which you can look out and see the rest of the world and go see what you're really trying to find. And from there, you know where to go. But a lot of times in our own lives, there isn't one of those arrows, is there? And maybe in your own little story, in your book, it doesn't say that. And you're trying to find that out, and it can be frustrating. But let me tell you something. You can discover the story. Maybe not with perfect clarity, but there is a story there that is, that is going around, and, and you can discover what it is and where you fit. Let's, let's go back another step, though. Every good story has some of the same elements. Tell, I know we're not a literary class or anything, but what, what does every good story have? Conflict? What? A plot. <laughs> I thought she said, I'm not going to tell you what I thought she said. Okay, what else? What else does every good story have? An antagonist? Protagonist? Okay, what else? <laughs> a beginning and an end. Okay, all right, that's good. Those are all important qualities, exactly. I, I wrote down a few other ones, too, to add to that. I, I wrote down some like um, love, adventure, danger, heroism, romance, sacrifice. And think about it for a minute. Every good story that draws you in has a, has a battle between good and evil. And most of us like it when good wins, now, as I said that, I bet you, I bet you most, some of you were thinking, as I did, about some of the movies that you've seen that good doesn't win. And remember how disturbing that is when you walk out? And maybe some part of you, you know, intellectually finds that satisfying or makes you feel smarter. I know, I, I know how we are. But still, we want the good guy to win. And in real life, that doesn't always work out that way. But that's what we want. Inside of us, there's something that draws us to that story. There's a reason for that. There is a cosmic battle between good and evil, and we want good to win. We want that in our own lives, and we want to be on the good side. That's how we want it. Usually, some, usually a good story, too, has unlikely heroes that we can relate to. Now, of course, we've all seen Superman and Batman, people who will never be, and we want to see them win, too. But there's something, too, good about a story that, that has somebody that, that, that wins that's like us, that we can look at it and say, man, if they can do it, I can do it. I can win too. Insurmountable odds. Sometimes you'll have a little fellowship, like in Lord of the Rings, a little group of people that their companionship pulls them through. Think about some of these movies. Think about, uh, you know, Indiana Jones. All those elements are there. You know, I mentioned Batman. Even Kung Fu Panda. It's got all that. 
You know what these movies do? They tell us a little something about us, about our heart, about the way God made us. Inside of us is this yearning for good to win over evil and for us to be a part of that. Inside of us is this yearning for our lives to matter, for us to be part of a story that is bigger than just us. And we want to win. We want to be part of all that. The plots are the same, too, if you think about it. I'm not trying to ruin movies for all y'all. But next time you go, you might think about this. Things were good. Think about it for a minute. Things were all good, right? And then something really bad happened, really awful. And then a great battle has to be fought or a journey taken. People have to go from one place to another and find something. And then just at the right moment, the hero comes and sets things right. And then it's all good again, right? Every movie's like that. And depending on how bad the awful thing was, determines almost then how bad that the hero can be to the bad guy. You ever notice that? <laughs> Some of these action movies, I mean, if, if they get his family and do horrible things to him, then, then you feel good about him doing horrible things back to the bad guy. I mean, this is kind of how they all work. Now, let's think about that. With, when, you know, when you think about how that plot is consistent in almost every, every movie we see, every fairy tale, every myth, Western movies. My dad, we grew up watching Westerns. Every epic, just about every story you can think of. Why do you think that is? Here's why. Because literally every story is borrowing from the larger, bigger story. Do you realize that's the exact story of the universe and how God created things? I mean, I'm not trying to give this whole sermon away in one line, but think about it for a minute. Remember the Garden of Eden? It was all good. It was perfect. And God had made it how he wanted it to be. And we all yearn for that. God has put that in our hearts. And Ecclesiastes says that, that he has set eternity in our hearts. He, he has set in our hearts a desire for that original state of being with him. Perfect unity. When I think of what Adam and Eve sacrificed, for what? For a fruit that they had, for a fruit for just testing God to see if he was really telling the truth. Think about what they sacrificed. It's the very thing that we still all yearn for. And we want. So they had that in the beginning. It was all good. Something really awful happened. And it's continued to happen over and over and over. And a battle is waging. Pastor mentioned that in prayer tonight. And sometimes, I know some of us probably don't think, like to think about war. And I remember years ago, it seemed like a lot of churches were using a war motif. And, you know, we talk about the you know, army of God. And probably some of us grew up singing, oh, we're Christian soldiers. And sometimes those images may not be something we want to have. But... The truth is there is a cosmic war going on and it's a war for your soul and that is happening. And then the good guy comes, remember him? Jesus from last Sunday, right? And he sets it all right. And here we are right in the middle of that story ourselves, but unfortunately we're, we're not quite to the sets it all right part. We're still in the middle of the war part. So that would explain partly why maybe your story, your individual story doesn't quite fit. But let's go over that again. Because here's, what, here's the message for you tonight. Christianity answers all those yearnings and desires that we have. Every, t- every place that we want to find something that, that makes sense. If you think about it, Christianity answers that for us. It tells the greater story that all of our stories fit into. It literally tells the greater story that every story we tell has a part of. It's almost as if every fairy tale is telling just a piece of what God has said in the, in the big story, the meta-narrative, if you will. 
Christianity, there's an author and there's a God who is good. Everything about him is good. He's the essence of all that is good and beautiful and true. And he's the source of these things. Here's the problem. Remember that villain and the awfulness? He hates you. I heard a preacher say this a few years ago, and and I was surprised when he said it that I'd never heard it before. It's one of those things that made so much sense. It's like an invention you thought you should have made. You guys ever had that happen? Or you thought, oh, I thought of that. But now someone's a millionaire. Like I know my mother-in-law, she thought of the the shower cap over bowls. You know what I'm talking about? Ladies, you know, help me out here. Some people are going to be like, I'm crazy, but you know what I'm talking about? And she thought of that, but she, you know, here's what this preacher said. He said, yes, God has a plan for your life. You would all agree to that, right? We've all heard that. Do you realize that the devil has a plan for your life? He does. He has a plan for your life too. And the problem is a lot of times people don't even think about it like that. Not only does God have a plan for your life, but the devil has a plan for your life. A scripture that I go back to over and over and over is uh, John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants to do to you. He hates you, and he wants to destroy you. Now, I know that sounds strong, but people, it's strong. That's reality. A lot of times, we don't want to confront the reality of the way the world and the, and the universe really is, but there's an enemy there, and he really does hate you, and he wants to ruin you. Kill, steal, and destroy is as bad as it gets. But, but there is someone else who's come. The hero comes and he wants to give you life and life more abundantly. Some versions say life to the fullest. What, however you can imagine it, great. That's how he wants it to be. The very thing that your heart is yearning for, that's what he wants to give you. That, that existence that was back in the garden, that's what he wants for you. That's what our Savior wants for you. Totally different from what, what the villain wants for you. Real Christianity assures us that there's going to be meaning in our lives. And when I say real Christianity, let me, let me clarify for a minute. I'm not talking about the kind of Christianity that says going to church and not going to movies makes you Christian. I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm not. That, those are all rules. And, and, you know, we try to put rules. And I know why those rules came into being. You know, we put rules in place because we, we want people to live right. And sometimes as humans, it's easier just to be simple in our thinking and just follow rules. But that's not how our God is. What he does, and and you can see it even as Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, he took all the rules and he put them into reality where he said, he said, I'm not coming to destroy those rules. What I'm coming to do is fulfill those rules. And what I'm telling you, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself, you'll fulfill all those rules. You see what he did? He said, love God, love others, and you've fulfilled all those rules. You're not going to break any of those rules if you love God enough. St. Augustine's famous for so many reasons, but one of his quotes people have misquoted for years, but it's a funny quote. He said, if you love God, you can do anything you want. So some people have thought, well, that's cool. I'm a Christian. I love God. I could do, I can just go sin. That's not what he was saying. What he was saying is if you love God, you can do whatever you want because whatever you want would never be anything against God. See how that works? Because if you really loved him, you would never do anything that would, that would hurt him. So if you love God, truly love him, sure, do whatever you want, whatever you want. Let's go on, let's go on. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. We allow sometimes circumstances to define God's character for us. We forget who the villain is and who the good guy is. Because 
it's, it's difficult sometimes as we go through life because as things happen and, and bad things happen to good people, we start to imagine that, that the person behind those things must somehow be God. And it's easy. I, I understand why people think that and how that happens. Because if you think about it for a minute, if God is all powerful and he's all loving, why wouldn't he stop every bad thing from happening? And when something goes wrong in your life, you look to God and say, God, come on. What are you doing? Why, why, why are you allowing this to happen? It's almost sometimes, too, like we, we have this imaginary balance sheet in our mind where we add up all the good things on one side that we've done and then all the bad things on the other. And we think that if the good things outweigh the bad, then we'll be okay and that good things should happen to us, right? And there are scriptures. I mean, if you, if you use scripture in, in, in a certain way, you can make it say that. And when we do that, we begin to question God's character. We begin to doubt who he is. Remember how we talked about last week, a couple weeks ago, about how the devil did that with Eve? And he told her some lies about God and his intentions for her. And he got her to start to doubt what God really wanted. We do that a lot. So we wonder, if God is really all powerful and if he really loves us, how could he let this happen? How, How could he cause all this pain? Here's what we need to do. You need to keep reminding yourself who he is and who the bad guy really is. I mean, if you have to put John 10, 10 on your fridge or in your mirror, in your car, wherever you need to have that so you can get those things straight, you need to remember that. When things are happening that are not good, that's the enemy of your soul. He has a will for you and his will for you is to kill, steal and destroy and to ruin you. That's what he wants to do. The Bible clearly says that there is a God in heaven who loves you and he wants to give you life and give you that life more abundantly. The best life that you could possibly have. The life that we originally had in the garden. That's what he wants for you. The problem though, and let's be honest, free will has consequences. So let's think about this for a minute. Some people imagine God as this person who controls every single detail of your life. Someone who, some people think of it as like a blueprint theology where every single decision, every single action is pre-planned and he decided it for you. I have a few problems with that. One is scripture doesn't say that, but, but the other problem I have with that is if that was really our God, I don't think I would like him very much because that would be a cruel person if you think about it. It would almost be as if this cosmic God is doing things with his left hand over here and he's setting up all these things that are evil and bad and then with his right hand he comes in and says, ooh, look, I made this better now. Now love me for it. How is that? That's just cruel and creepy. When I think of that, I think of all the stories we've heard of, you know, maybe even fairy tales of a king who's all powerful and tells all the young ladies, I'm gonna marry one of you and you don't have a choice. And you're going to have to love me. And you know those stories, right? And she doesn't want to, and she wants to marry for love. And why do those stories resonate with us? They resonate with us because in our heart of hearts, we know that real love has to be love that we choose. It can't be forced on you. And God knew that too. So when he created us, he made an incredible, took an incredible risk with us. The God of the universe, the all-powerful God of the universe, gave us the power to choose not to love him. You know, those of you who are parents, you know how that works. You do. Because you can't make your kids love you either. You want them to. But there's going to be times where even in the best of situations, kids are going to do things that hurt their parents. 
They're gonna do things that disobey. And when that happens, just that, that same pain that you feel as a parent, imagine God feeling that on a cosmic level. For the children that he loved so much and gave them so much, and yet they took that freedom that he gave them and they turned it against him and didn't love him back. That was a huge risk he took. But why did he do it? He did it because that's the only way he could have real love and a real relationship. He didn't want robots. He didn't want, he didn't want servants who'd had no choice. He wanted people who honestly, freely chose to love him. That's what he wanted. And with that, and here's, here's a painful part of that. With that, we also at times live in the, in the world where other people's consequences affect us as well. It's not always just your own. The world is way more complex than that. Some, some philosophers call it the eight-second rule. I don't know if you've heard this before, but it's an interesting thought. If you think about a car going through an intersection, what if it just went through the intersection eight seconds later? How much different world would the world be? I mean, what accident did they avoid? Maybe you've done this too, where you've, you've been on an errand or maybe running from your house and remembered, oh, I forgot my sunglasses. You run back, and then as you go back on the highway or wherever you were gonna go, there's an accident. You think, oh, if I was there 15 minutes ahead, I would have been in that accident. The world is complex. So it's so tempting for us, you know, back to the old stories that we were talking about before that are so linear and simple and one-dimensional. We think sometimes, oh, if something goes wrong, well, it must have been Jeff's fault. Sorry, Jeff. Because for some reason, we see a direct line to Jeff in this. But that's so simplistic. We don't realize that there's all these other factors going on that, that play into the situation. Life is complex. But our temptation is to make it simple and blame it on one person or the other. In that process, though, let's remember that life is complex. And just because God gave us choices means that we're going to have to sometimes endure the consequences of others. It's easy to see it when parents abuse children, when war happens. That's not God killing people or hurting people. Those are the consequences of other people's decisions. But for there to be freedom, for God to have a world where people freely chose to love him, then he would have to allow those decisions to happen. It's a painful thought, but it's the truth. And part of that does also comes in where we, think, we realize that a God like that, not only does he want that love from us, but he gives that love freely back to us. Here's the thing to remember. When evil things are happening, you know, I heard somebody, and you hear these phrases people use all the time, and they'll say something like, well, it was meant to be. And I hear somebody say that, and I think, what do you mean it was meant to be? Meant by whom? Are you saying that God intended for this thing to happen, this evil thing? How could you say that? That is not true. Or they'll say something like this. They'll say, um, well, God, God has a plan for everything. Wait a minute. What? Yes, he does. But a lot of times his plan involves taking what we've done wrong and turning it around for good. When you look at Romans 8, 28, it says that, that he takes all things and turns them into good. It doesn't, think, it doesn't say that, that he caused all those events to happen. It says that he can take our choices, our bad things, and turn them into good. Here's the big thing to remember, that God loves us all the time. In spite of your circumstances, pain, heartache, loneliness, whatever it is that you've been going through, no matter where you are in your story, no matter what chapter you're in or where you're at in the chapter, there is a God who loves you and cares about you and wants to give you that life more abundantly. And if you're looking at your chapter and your story and you're thinking, oh, this isn't fair, this doesn't make sense, this isn't right, don't blame him. 
Instead, we need to turn to him because he's the one who can walk us through those things. I think what happens a lot of times because we start to doubt God and we start to wonder if he's really behind these bad things, that instead of allowing him to love us the way he wants to love us and walk us through situations, we end up pushing him away. Even Christians who've been Christians for a long time because it starts to wear on you and it gets tiring. And those phrases that we use so cavalierly, they start to sink into our mind and we start to believe them just a little bit. And maybe we don't even believe them in the conscious sense, but we believe them in our heart and we start to doubt God's goodness for us. Can we, can we just read a few scriptures that would hopefully remind you who this God is we're talking about? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's the God we serve. That's what he has in mind for you. Look at this, Proverbs 24, 16. For though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again, but the wicked are brought down by calamity. Life's not over. Righteous people fall, yet they still get up. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. There's always opening, open arms with him. Romans 5, 8, but God proves his love for us that in while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. This last section of scripture I want to read with you tonight. Uh, how many of you like the message, Eugene Peterson, the message? I, I like it sometimes. I'm reading it with, in my daily devotionals every day and, and going through the gospels and I'm not liking it so much because he uses so many colloquialisms. But this passage of scripture in the message is so phenomenal. I just want us to read it and kind of dwell on it for a minute. This is Titus 3, 3 to 7. It says, it wasn't long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn, dupes of sin, ordered every which way by our glands, going around with a chip on our shoulder, hating and hating back. But when God, our king and loving savior God, stepped in, he saved us from all of that. It was all his doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a, a good bath, and we came out of it new people, washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously, God's gift has restored our relationship with him and given us back our lives, and there's more life to come, an eternity of life. You can count on this. To me, that is so encouraging. What it tells me is that no matter where I'm at in my story, that, there, that there's a glimpse of what can be. And what God wants for me. And what it is, is going back to the original part of the story. Back when things were all good and we had a perfect relationship with him. You know what it tells me? It tells me that you can trust God with your pain. That you can trust him with your dreams. Maybe the part of the story that, that you haven't read yet. That ha maybe even hasn't been written. I would imagine that if we could look in our pages in our book, probably there isn't anything written on those pages in some cases. Because some of those things, God is, God is he doesn't really want us to know yet. But maybe some of you have some dreams and you're almost even afraid to trust him with those because you're not sure that, that he wants the best for you. Or, or maybe you're worried that what he wants for you isn't what you really want. I, I know some people who, who feel like God has called them maybe to be, you know, maybe be a singer. And maybe they, in, the, in their heart they doubt, well, maybe that's too selfish and God wouldn't want that for me. And maybe, maybe them, like you, like them, haven't trusted God with whatever those dreams are for you. And we've mentioned this a few times, but maybe you haven't yet trusted God with your questions. Maybe you have some doubts and they're deep. 
And you think a real Christian wouldn't ask these questions or wonder these things. And maybe you haven't trusted him with those things. Maybe you haven't trusted him with your frustrations. And maybe you think real Christians can't complain. And if that's you, I challenge you to read some of the Psalms. Because David said things to God that I don't think I've ever even said. And he questions God in a way that sounds, sounds, sounds like a spoiled child sometimes. But God can handle that. Maybe you haven't trusted him with your love life or with your future. What I'd like you to do is, is I'd like everybody to shut your eyes for a minute. And if the worship team could come back. Maybe you're here tonight and deep in your heart, you've began to doubt God's character. Maybe you've wondered because of where you were at in your story that you just didn't see how it fit. And you saw how life was happening and, and it, didn't, it didn't make sense with what you had planned. Or maybe, maybe you had thought that God had forgotten about you. Or maybe it wasn't fair and he was blessing other people instead of you. Or other people had what you thought you should have. But now you want to give God a chance in your life. And I don't know everybody here. I don't know if there may be somebody here you've never even trusted Christ for the first time. Maybe you've doubted him and, and wondered what this Christian life was all about. Maybe you've blamed God and, and felt like because things have happened bad that, that it was okay and, and, and he really wasn't that good to you. What am I asking you tonight to do is to trust him with those things I mentioned. To trust him with your pain. Trust him with your dreams. Trust him with your questions, with your frustrations. With your love, with your life, with your future. I'm not asking you to join a new religion or be part of following rules. That's not what I'm talking about tonight. What I'm talking about tonight is joining the cosmic battle for the universe and being on the good guy's team. Maybe you've let your relationship with God slip a little bit. And you haven't been as passionate with him as you should have been. And you know that is true in your life. If that's you in any of those ways, I just would like you to do this for the next 15, 20 minutes of this service. As we're led into worship, you know, maybe you'd like to find a place to pray. And maybe you're comfortable praying at the altar or in your chair. Or you want to find a place in this room that's more private. You can just cry out to him. He's comfortable with that. With your eyes still closed, I just want to ask, have you pushed him away? Has he been trying to comfort you and yet you pushed him away? And if that's you tonight, I just encourage you to open your heart back up and let him back into that place that he, he deserves to be, that he needs to be to heal you. As a worship team leads us, just reach out to him.